0: Mental health is my wealth, the stress up on the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seeking and ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, I so will sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence, the big silence. All right, Karina here, and welcome back to the Big Silence podcast. Woo. Oh, my goodness. I had to take a little downtime. I just finished one of, I think, the best conversations. Not the best. I mean, there's so many good conversations, but it was very... All right, Emily's over here, like, shake her favorite. You're going to love this conversation. It's with Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, a.k.a. Dr. Z. She's a national expert in narcissistic abuse and a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in the treatment of adults with anxiety and mood disorders. She's also a relationship coach, and she has her own podcast, too. So we'll put all of where you can find her in the show notes. But man, you're going to love this. If you've ever even thought you may have been in a narcissistic romantic relationship, or if in the workplace you possibly have a narcissist and you don't know how to manage that and be able to do your job, this is the episode for you. We talk about narcissistic Narcissist still can't say it. It's like a long word, narcissistic personality disorder, how Disney fucked us up, Golden Child Syndrome Manipulation, and how to have a healthy relationship with a narcissist who could be a family member, a parent, a sibling. So I hope you enjoy this. Remember, if you love it or you think there's someone out there, a loved one that needs to hear this, please share it. Also, comment, leave a review. And yeah, also the podcast is part of what we offer in our nonprofit foundation. So anytime, head over to thebigsilence.com slash donate. Much appreciated because we want to keep bringing these conversations to you because remember, just one conversation can save a life. Enjoy. All right, and welcome to the Big Silence Podcast, Dr. Z. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course. Once I found you through social media, I was like, I need to have a conversation with her because so many community members are asking. I have pages of topics that everyone wants to hear from, and one of them is narcissism. So I was like, Dr. Z is the perfect guest to have on here. Maybe we just want to dive in here and just explain what narcissism is, what a narcissist is, period. Sure.
1: So I like to always start with what a narcissist is not first, Mm. right? So a narcissist is not just somebody who happens to be an asshole. It's not somebody who is just rude to you for a certain reason, but then nicer to other people. Somebody who is a narcissist isn't just somebody who's full of themselves. Like, yes, that's part of it, but... We commonly think that someone who's a narcissist is somebody who is, you know, thinks they're the best and that nobody else is above them. And, and yes, that's true, but interwoven within all the relationships. So, what does that look like? Somebody who has true narcissistic personality disorder isn't just narcissistic some of the time, it's a pervasive personality disorder, which means that it literally permeates all domains of their life their family, their work, their friendships how they talk to a waiter, how they go shopping in a store. It's who the I know I'm going to get you out of this, but it's who they are. And so buried underneath that is this intense shame, this intense guilt, and they will never access that. So to protect that, they portray themselves to the world as this larger than life, very charming, extremely, extremely sensitive to any type of critique, mm-hmm. anything that could crack that exterior. So you could say something along the lines of, oh, maybe you should wear the black shirt instead of the blue shirt. That won't go over well because it's not like a don't tell me what to do. It's literally you telling them you're a worthless piece of shit. That's how they interpret it. So they will kind of throw that right back on you. So somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder is extremely manipulative and. They don't care who they harm Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as long as they get what they need in any given situation. So empathy, for example. I was just going to ask you
0: um, about... That word came up. Like, do they have empathy?
1: No, they do not have empathy. But they can express like they do. Yes. they. Yes, very good. They (laughs) can... They're very good at acting as if they have empathy. Empathy is something that's... It's almost transactional. Mm -hmm. So if you need something and you're sad or you, you need help And anyway, they can appear to be so helpful, so empathetic to your needs, to your concerns. Only if in some way, shape or form, it benefits them directly. Maybe it's that they get to control your mood because if they're the ones helping you, you look at them as like, oh my God, you're saving me. You're the most amazing human ever. It's never without a motive. And so a lot of times what you have is something called a covert narcissist. Mm -hmm. Covert narcissist would be somebody who outwardly in public, charming, sweet, philanthropic, great personality. Everybody loves to be around them. Helpful, like the best person. Like, oh my God, I, I can't believe she's married and he's great. Or I can't believe he's married to her. She's the most amazing person. But behind closed doors, they're monsters. And people notoriously say, and it makes my skin crawl, that narcissists, When I say narcissists, narcissist personalities are narcissists have difficulty controlling their anger. No, they don't. It's extremely strategic and manipulative to gain control over somebody or a situation. If they had difficulty controlling their anger, they'd be lashing out left and right outside that front door. And they don't. It's only behind closed doors. It's only to the people that are controlled by them or under their control or doing it to get what they need. So, yeah, that's one thing I like to say about our... They, they absolutely can control their anger. The other thing that they'll do is they will... And we can talk about love bombing later, but they will do certain things to get you to feel super safe, super comfortable with them. Feel like you've met in past lives. You're their soulmate. you know. And this can even happen with friendships. The best thing... I, I can't believe we haven't met sooner. And look how amazing our relationship is. And six months in, it is. But again, this is where I say Disney fucked us up because there is no fairy tale amazingness in the beginning that carries on throughout this like fairy tale ending, right? right? My daughters were watching Frozen and I think it was Anna. Anna meets a prince in like the first 20 minutes. They met for five seconds. They fall in love. They do a self-sister. They're getting married. And my daughters are sitting there like all googly at I'm like, no, this is not how this works. <laughs> it, you know, so we have this societal concept that that's how romantic relationships work and it gets us into trouble. So you get this narcissist to suck you in. It's very deliberate. You give them all your vulnerabilities. They store them away in a file for later use. Mm -hmm. They make you feel like they understand where you're coming from. There's that fake empathy. They make you feel like they get you better than anyone else and they'll tell you that. But then as the relationship continues, what starts to happen is... Once they know they have you, then they will start slowly, kind of devaluing you. Slowly start to do things like, "Jamie, you're a best friend from college. I know you like her a lot. There's just there's something about her. I I don't know. I just don't trust her. I can't put my finger on what it is. And so you obviously trust this person. So now you're looking around. Did she do anything? Am I, am I reading her wrong? You know, Jamie, your parents, they're, so they always get involved. I feel like they don't let you make any decisions for yourself. You really like, it's us against the world. Like we're a team. We need to do this together. Mm -hmm. So before you know it, you start to slowly isolate your friends and family. It's very strategic. Why? Mm -hmm. Because when the abuse really starts, then you have nobody to tell. In addition to that, they do something called gaslighting, Mm -hmm. which is where gaslighting is not lying. And I want to make that very clear because there's a big misconception. If you said to me, I wasn't at the movies the other night and I said, yes, you were. I took a picture. Here you go. Like You just got caught with information. You're going to like, okay, fine. I lied. I didn't want to upset you. I didn't feel like going with you. You were annoying me that night. So I went without you. Fine. Gaslighting is where I show you the picture and you say to me, honestly, you're sick. You're crazy. You're following me around taking pictures. What is wrong with you? You need help. Did you not take your meds today? And before you know it, the other person's defending why they're not crazy that they took the picture, that the fact that you lied is totally off the table. So gaslighting really does a number on somebody's perception of reality. So now they're hooked into this relationship. Their reality is completely warped and defined by the narcissist who is constantly changing the rules as you go. And financially, you're stuck because chances are you have no access to your finances. Your name's not on anything. You were told you're not allowed to work anymore. So now you can't get out. So that's why people say, why don't you leave? Like
0: This is right. why. And this is specifically in a romantic relationship. This
1: is romantic. Yeah. It's also, this is also for children, adult children of narcissists. I see this a lot all the time. They're very
0: stuck. So if their parents are have narcissistic personality disorder and they're very yeah. stuck in that relationship. Yeah. What would be a first red flag for someone out there uh, let's just talk romantic relationship here mm-hmm. first red flag for someone to see that someone has narcissistic personality disorder would it be the love bombing? because also I mean I know I've been married six, seven years and in a relationship for 10, 11 years and I know in the beginning of relationships it's always very physical yeah, sure. very intense you know and then that's that's where Disney fucked us too and then our marriage sure. you have to go to counseling that's right <laughs> That's
1: exactly right.
0: <laughs> but what would your, the first red line, a red light, a red flag be for you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So relationships should be organic. That's not to say that when you meet each other, it's not, you know, intense and crazy sex and, you know, all the things that we would expect in the beginning of a relationship. This is different. The love bombing stage will be so intense. It's mm-hmm. like a tidal wave. It knocks you off your feet it's so overwhelming so fast so for example you're on date number 1 and listen for the people out there that are listening and saying like i knew they were my soulmate on date 1 amazing good for you you're in an extremely tiny percentage of people like very small so if they say to you i where have you been my whole life i have been waiting for you you are my soulmate i see us getting married can't you see this we'll live here we'll, we'll have this house and we'll have this summer house and our kids will do boy girl boy girl run
0: it seems overwhelming, but then, you know, yes. if you fall for it, you're like, wow, this is incredible. Yes. Do I deserve this? And like, this is yes. how did I become so lucky that someone just loves me that much immediately? And what
1: you just said is exactly what they want you to say. We're human. You yeah. know, We it feels good to be loved. It feels, it feels good to have somebody want us that badly. The problem is, is like, you know, as wonderful as you and I may be, They don't even know your middle name. They don't know anything about you. They don't know your interests, your hobbies. And the reason why they can say all this because they don't care what your interests and hobbies are. You're an object. So your thoughts, your feelings are basically kind of tools and strategies that they can use to hook you in. So the first red flag I would say would be that kind of language of you're my soulmate, you're this. And along with that, finding yourself telling like your really deep vulnerabilities, like your real kind of things that you really tell closest friends, but for some reason with them, you just feel super, super comfortable telling them this.
0: Yeah. What about, because you mentioned that they don't really want to get to know you in your own truth. And then what would their reaction be when you finally expose yourself. And maybe it's something of a trauma in the past or something that they're like, you know, I've obviously I'm 41. I've dated many, many, had many relationships. And I'm just asking like, because I've had it happen to me in the past where it was almost anger. Like, how could you not tell me this?
1: Do you mean later on in the relationship?
0: Yeah. Like a little bit into the relationship and then exposing more being Mm -hmm. more open talking about my Mm -hmm. past Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so there's a couple things typically within with somebody who's a true narcissist with the love bombing chances are they'll get that stuff out of you way earlier
0: yeah
1: kind of this is just an asshole (laughs) yeah (laughs) Right, right, right 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 like the organic nature of telling that stuff that in normal healthy whatever normals but healthier relationships If somebody gets, why didn't you tell me this? It could just be that they feel that they felt they were close enough with you, and maybe they view it as you didn't trust them Mm -hmm. enough to tell them, or you didn't love them enough the time to tell them. From a narcissist perspective, telling them those things early on—that's like a gift to a narcissist because then they have that against you. They use that against you. They may pretend Mm -hmm. actually to make you feel bad about it, but not because they're angry that you told them later on. But angry because they just want to try to make you feel like crap about something that you feel vulnerable telling them about. So instead of it being met with open arms and I'm here for you, it's being met with you're a horrible, terrible person. Yeah. And now they know your vulnerabilities on top of it.
0: Yeah. So how is a narcissist diagnosed? Because you go, maybe you're in in therapy. A narcissist is probably not going to go to a, a psychiatrist and be like, am i Correct.
1: a narcissist so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of schools of thought on this one <laughs> <laughs> typically narcissists are, are almost kind of diagnosed in a roundabout way so i'll have somebody come into my office who is in a really traumatic relationship or had a really traumatic upbringing we're talking and, and clearly to me based on conversations this person their significant other their mother their father whatever clearly fits narcissist personality disorder as unique as they may think they are they follow a very predictable playbook extremely and once you figure out that playbook you can't unsee it so they follow this very predictable playbook and so it's not so much that the narcissist directly is diagnosed but it's more about my I'm working with my patients on how to manage a narcissistically abusive relationship Mm -hmm. So it kind of does... I don't necessarily have to hang a hat on their other person and say, you're a narcissist. I just go with this person, narcissist or not, is demonstrating really textbook narcissistic behaviors. And these are the steps that we do to address narcissistic type of abuse. So that's more of how I look at it. Now, do narcissists end up in therapy? They do, but for not the reasons you may think. It may be court-mandated, Because going through custody battles with narcissistic personality disorder is an absolute nightmare. Mm -hmm. And the family Mm -hmm. courts don't do the best job of of managing that or another conversation. (laughs) They may be court mandated. They may be for co-parenting purposes. They may have DUIs and have to go to therapy as part of that. They may need to go because their spouse says, we're going to couples therapy. I can't handle this anymore. And so they go to couples therapy, and one of two things happens. Either the therapist isn't aware of the nuances of narcissistic personality disorder, so they kind of, the victim of the narcissistic abuse ends up looking like they're the ones not trying. Well, like, you know, he or she's trying to do a really good job here, and it seems like you're not really hearing them or taking them or giving them a chance. Why don't you guys go on date night? What they're not realizing is this person has to go in a car home with a narcissist, which is a very scary place to be and go back home to their house. So it's rare. Or you get a therapist. Like I've had patients say, can I bring my significant other in? So Mm -hmm. you can kind of see what's going on, bring them in. And immediately it's either the love bombing starts with, oh, you're so smart. You're so this down to like, I love your shoes to me, Setting very strict boundaries and then getting up, walking out.
0: So the narcissist would love bomb you as the therapist. Wow. Yes. Oh.
1: Yeah, or try not in like a not hating yeah. on me type of but but like, but just oh, complimenting you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but when it's I know met you. with, yeah, <laughs> but when it's met with that, you see them just switch, and they don't come back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, They
1: won't come back. They'll say, I suck. She's horrible. You know, whatever.
0: Have you ever worked with a narcissist or know of any case studies where a narcissist is actually like, I know this is what's wrong with me. I want to heal. I want to overcome this. Or is that just like never going to happen? And is there anything a narcissist? (laughs) Because I was just talking to Emily here and there's someone on TikTok you said that is like, I'm a narcissist and this is, what is it? He like talks about.
1: Yeah, he just talks about himself and basically how he thinks, how his mind
0: works. So and like, um, Educating about narcissism. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know who you're
1: talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know who you're talking about. So it's interesting you say that. I just had this conversation with somebody. You know, I always preface it by saying, as a psychologist, as this being my life's work, as being somebody who genuinely wants people to live the most productive, fulfilled lives as they possibly can, for me to say that somebody can't change is really difficult for me.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I like to put that out there for someone of be like, you're a psychologist. It's disgusting of you to say everyone can change. Narcissists can't change.
0: Okay.
1: They can't change. This is who they are. What can happen is kind of what you were watching on TikTok. Narcissists know what they're doing. They know that they're hurting you. They don't Care. There's that lack of empathy. There may be behaviors that they're doing that are so habitual in nature because they've been doing them their whole lives that maybe they're not aware of some of the underlying patterns. They're not waking up every morning saying, I'm going to manipulate the crap out of my boss today because I have such shame and guilt that I need to protect at all costs. So they're not saying that. So, from that standpoint, they don't have awareness, but they know that they're hurting people. They know what they're doing. They don't care as long as they get what they need. You can so if I if a narcissist came into my office, even being an expert in narcissism, I could maybe get them, maybe to change ever so slightly in my office in a controlled environment, but throw them back out there. That's not gonna stick. There are these people that like on TikTok that claim I am a self-aware narcissist. Mm -hmm. But self-aware narcissist is still a narcissist, meaning They are very good at talking about their playbook of what they do. But just because they're talking about their playbook doesn't mean they're changing their behavior. Now, I can't speak for them. Maybe they are slowly changing their behavior. But my guess would be they get their supply from helping others and giving them very valuable information. That's the tricky part. I mean, he gives really solid advice. Yeah to help you understand the mind of a narcissist. But if you ask me if he's in a situation where he feels vulnerable, will he not pull out those tactics? I'm Um, not so sure.
0: Right, exactly. So with mental illness, like schizophrenia that my mother had Mm -hmm. and my grandfather Mm -hmm. had, and there's genetics and such, but also I believe there's so many things that go into that too. But um, what creates narcissistic personality disorder? Is it trauma? Is it genetics, your parents, how you Mm -hmm. were raised? Sure.
1: So difference in schizophrenia, it's not a brain disease, right? So it's not a a disease that is psychiatric symptoms. It is. So there are studies that show on MRIs that there's actually differences in certain parts of the brain, that there's organic differences, or that certain parts of the brain are smaller or larger than others that are responsible for judgment and things like that. However... Majority of the time, it is learned. Now, and we know trauma can be passed on in our genetics, right? Like intergenerational trauma. We know for Holocaust survivors, it's passed into our genes down to other generations. So that is there. But I, and I think most of my colleagues would say this too, that it's really learned patterns of behavior that you develop growing up as a child. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a parent who's a narcissist and therefore you're going to raise little narcissists. It could be anything as simple as having a parent that a household that was very high emotion, unpredictable, uncertain. One parent really kind of harsh on you. Nothing you ever do is good enough. You're a piece of crap. Your sister's so much better than you. One parent's an alcoholic and somebody's majorly depressed. And so you really kind of are walking on eggshells. You never know what you're going to get. You feel like you have no control.
0: What about if you have a parent who never tells you no or just praises you constantly Uh, with no, no discipline?
1: Yes. That is called the golden child syndrome. Mm -hmm. So golden child syndrome is where you, there's two parts of it. It's the child who is the favorite and a narcissistic parent will let everybody know that's their favorite child. Mm -hmm. There is a manipulative strategy to that. The golden child can do no wrong. Rules do not apply to them. There's no consequences for their actions. Everything from your child didn't make the fifth grade soccer team so, you pick up the phone and you call the coach and you get your kid onto the soccer team. I had taught undergrad for a little while. I remember when I was an undergrad, I mean, I went to Ohio State. So, like, my parents had no idea what was going on, like my schooling, right? But I taught at a really small university. And one of the classes, there was a girl that failed. She was a sophomore in college. Her mom called me. And I remember thinking, like, I can't even fathom my mother calling to talk about my grade I got because I didn't study because I was out doing God knows what, right? Like mm-hmm. I deserved the bad grade, right? So I remember very clearly saying, no, I'm not changing her grade. It's absurd that a parent's even calling if someone died, if something happens, I get it. But this, is no. Yeah. So it's like those situations where parents just took on so much for their child with no consequences constantly over and over and over again. So they grow up. Well, I can yell at you. I don't have to respect you. I know you're my teacher, but like, I can do whatever I want. What are you going to do? Right. And so this goes on through life where they don't respect authority. They break a lot of rules. There's a lot of substance use and there's a lot of really kind of harsh, physical, abusive behavior that goes on because there's no consequences. I know it sounds horrible, but these are a lot of like the, you know, I'm not even joking when I say like the 2020 Dateline episodes. Like, I mean, they're more sociopathic in nature, but they really believe there was no consequences for their actions. None. Yeah.
0: So what about, I want to go back to relationships and then I want to dive into workplace and other stuff. Um, So can you be in a narcissistic relationship and have it be successful or do you just see that red first red flag and you just go?
1: You cannot be in a narcissistic relationship and have it be
0: successful
1: unless you are willing to abide by all arbitrary rules that are thrown at you all day, every day.
0: Okay, so probably won't have much happiness and joy and fulfillment in your life. No,
1: I mean, listen, I say to people when when I first meet with them, because I never tell anybody to leave unless they feel they're at risk for being harmed or I can either help you leave and then help you with the post-separation abuse that will follow. Or I can give you strategies to stay in the relationship with the understanding that they will never change. You can just work on how you choose to respond to their never-changing behavior.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what about narcissism in the workplace? You have Hmm. to work. We got to make money. It's your Mm -hmm. job but you're maybe your boss or an employee that a coworker that you work closely with and you don't have a choice, but to be there, what do you do?
1: So I can tell you a really good work, narcissistic story. If you like, I'll save that to the end to make sure I answer all your questions first, but it's a really tricky situation. It depends where in the hierarchy you Mm -hmm. fall. Are they your superior? Are you responsible for them? we have to look at what the power differential is. You have to set the most consistent and strict boundaries that you possibly can. Consistent because if you set inconsistent boundaries with a narcissist, you're sending mixed messages and you lose credibility. Mm -hmm. And with this, what's called intermittent reinforcement, you will actually create more of the behavior that you don't want if you continue to set inconsistent mm-hmm. boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people pick a boundary that you know, it may be small, it may be tiny for now, but pick a boundary that you know that you can hold a hundred percent of the time.
0: Right. And narcissists hate boundaries, I'm hate sure. Hate boundaries. Hate. Hate. So you gotta really like stick it.
1: Yes. And if you've ever been rock climbing, you're giving them a blank slate wall so they can't grab onto anything. Anytime you make an inconsistent boundary, you just gave them like somewhere to put their hands or somewhere to put their foot Mm -hmm. and climb up. So you want to make it as sleek as possible. You give them nothing, no tone of voice. It's all neutral. Everything is neutral. Slamming the door, rolling your eyes are not neutral. Um, Raising your voice, not neutral. So you want to make very strict boundaries. The other thing is if you have an HR department, You want to continuously, even if it's nothing, because a lot of these little small reports build up over time. Okay. So everything in writing, if the narcissist wants to talk to you and have a meeting, you say, I'm recording the conversation. Or if you can, which I would recommend have over email, don't go to lunch with them. Don't have conversations in the kitchen with them, everything in writing or text. If it's not in writing, it never happened.
0: Period. For someone who is okay, they identify a narcissist at their job and they're setting the boundaries, even though if you're really good at setting your boundaries, it takes a lot of energy and still you get home at the end of the day, like, I made it through. And it'll take time. I, I mean, not the expert here, but I would imagine if you set those consistent boundaries, it will get easier and easier at work. But any tips for mental health for the employee that is setting those boundaries, but just is exhausted at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, yeah. So oftentimes with narcissists, they infiltrate your space, meaning not just your physical space, your emotional space, your cognitive space. That's what they seek to gain access to. That's why one of the reasons why only in writing is so beneficial because you don't actually have to see them. Like like they suck the air out of you. They suck the life out of you. So if you can, for any reason, even like silly things, ask if you can move your office. Ask if you can switch, come in an hour late, leave an hour early just to throw the schedule off, gives you an extra hour to sleep, something like that. If you know that they always eat at a certain time, try to go five minutes after them. If it's a meeting that you don't really have to go to, don't go to it. If you need a mental health day, use it. You don't have to, you just say, I'm sick. And you just don't go in just to regroup, Yeah, you know, and avoid them as much as you possibly can. If it's something, at least for now, if it's something that you do because it's habitual, but when you really think about it, there's no need for you to do that. You'll find that you'll be able to cut out interactions with them by quite a bit
0: in the office. Yeah, that's good advice. I want to hear this story. I'm ready. <laughs> so uh, ready. Yeah. So it was
1: like my second job out of grad school. It was at a hospital and I was in a neurology practice. So I was seeing a lot of depression, anxiety, Parkinson's, MS. And there was this woman there who from day one did not like me. Mm-hmm. No reason. I was very friendly. Just didn't like me. Everyone knew it. Nobody knew why. It was fine. She'd make comments about what I wore. She'd make comments about like, my hair. She'd make whatever, and I would just like laugh it off because, at the time, I'd never really experienced. I didn't know what was going on. I. I and this is why I'm saying people's perceptions of narcissism are, are not really what it is like on the front lines. Like, yeah. it's like when you're in a hospital and the administration has no idea what's going on in the nursing floor. Like that's what this is like. So a lot of the psychiatrists I, I forged relationships with for referrals and they would refer to me a lot. And and I started noticing that my referrals and my mailboxes were missing. And I was like, that's so weird. Cause then I wouldn't end up following up with the patients. And then everything went automated because I complained that my scheduling was getting all messed up. So now everything's automated in the computer. Everyone's, so the receptionists would put in the patients, whatever. And for like a month straight, I'd have a handful of times where two patients would show up at the same exact time for an appointment with me when I knew that I never scheduled that like that. And so then I'm here yelling at the receptionist, like, we keep making these mistakes. Something's going on. Like these are people's lives. They were all frazzled. Nobody knew what to do. So we decided to track the IP address Mm. of the person that was logging in to cancel the appointments. And it was her. And I use this as an example Um, granted, she was fired and I I ended up being her boss. So I fired her. But what was interesting to me about this was that it was a perfect example of what I'm talking about, about they don't have empathy. As long as they get what they need, they don't care who they hurt in the process. That's gaslighting. I I was literally going crazy trying to... Did I cancel that? Did I not cancel that? I I mean, it was driving myself nuts. That was intentional. What she didn't realize, and this is what makes her personality disorder, is In order to get me all crazed and to gaslight me and manipulate me and make me look bad, the amount of people she harmed in the process Mm -hmm. by having them have to show up at my office needing psychiatry and psychology and then to have to go home.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right? Like multiple people couldn't be seen because of her. That never even occurred to her. Of course It wasn't even on her radar.
0: How does a narcissist find their target? Like, why did she choose you? I love this question. I love this question.
1: So a lot of times, again, people assume that narcissists go after people who are weak, who are very passive, easily manipulated. And like, yes, they do. But narcissists love going after people who are viewed by others as fun and friendly and outgoing, successful, intelligent that kind of people want to be around. And why? Because they want that. They want mm-hmm. that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Y- you see this a lot with people that are in like media a lot, right? They go for people that are in the limelight, that are attractive, that that and the reason for that is, yes, they want what they have for themselves. They want ownership of that. But they also get the most supply trying to knock down somebody that they view as that high up. It's such a source of supply for them to bring somebody of that important. I don't mean like I was that important, but in in general, bring somebody down that far and be responsible for their demise.
0: So in simple terms, jealousy of someone or?
1: It's not even jealousy. It it actually, because jealousy would mean that it involves the other person. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not about the other person. It's okay. about I want to break them because it makes me fill up.
0: Yeah, that brings me to a question that I had from the community. Someone was asking, "How do you protect your children from a narcissistic in-law?" And then I want to add to that: Can you actually have a healthy relationship with a narcissistic parent, sibling, or some someone that you can't break up with?
1: Yeah, or quit so your let's job. Start with in-laws. Yeah. My first thing for in-laws is that whoever's parent it is, is responsible for setting the boundaries. Because if you don't present as a unified front to a narcissistic in-law, you're in trouble. Because then what happens is triangulation. It ends up being the narcissistic parent, the spouse, who's the daughter or son of the narcissistic parent, and then the person they're married to. So let's say it's a narcissistic mother-in-law and her son... Is married to somebody and she is constantly coming over unannounced. She's constantly making appointments for the grandkids without telling the mom. She's telling them how to paint their house and what to do and who to use. And it's three people in a marriage, not two. If the child of the narcissistic parent does not set boundaries and stand up for themselves, that spouse is going to have a really difficult time because a spouse, yes, should still set boundaries. But that narcissistic in-law is not going to feel any threat from that. The narcissistic in-law will only feel threatened if their own child is the one setting the boundaries because narcissistic parents view children as extensions of them, Mm -hmm. almost like an accessory. Mm -hmm. Again, you're an object. And any move towards autonomy of the child away from the narcissistic parent, the narcissistic parent will view as abandonment disrespect. I raised you. How could you leave me and get married? How could you leave and go to college in California? I've done so much for you. I drove you to all your soccer games. I fed you. I birthed you. So a child getting married, they view it as abandonment. You left me. How dare you?
0: Yeah. (sighs) Yep. That one's a tough one. Yeah. That one's a tough one. I'm going to have to go see my therapist. I'm not crazy. <laughs> you are not
1: crazy. Nope, you are not.
0: That kind of answers all about parents, the siblings, everything. It's it really does come back to those boundaries. It's so important yeah. you're not breaking. It's up. All you can do and you're not crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add here? This is so helpful for so many. Um
1: I guess again, you know, for a lot of people that are in these relationships, it's very normal. You know, if you're hearing this and you're like, oh my God, wait, this this is my life. I know this story. You're not alone. You're in something that is extremely difficult to get out of. It is not your fault that you got in it. You didn't know. There's no way you would have known. And that's why we talk about it. That's why you're doing this on your podcast so that people are, it's almost like with narcissism, you have to act in like almost a preventative medicine type way. Mm -hmm. Because once you're in it, it's really tough to pull yourself out of it. So if you feel that you're in this, some of the things I recommend are, you know, listen to podcasts about narcissism, read up on narcissism, ask one person. I know you may not feel like you have many people left on the outside and there's a reason for that. They miss you and they want you back. And so Mm -hmm. make sure that you try to confide in one person on the outside that can be that person to slowly pull you out and help you see these patterns. And if you can slowly start to set money aside, give it to somebody you feel comfortable with so you have some financial means should you leave. If there's children involved, find an attorney. If you can't do it yourself, have somebody do it, bring you with for a consult just to see what your options are from a, parent, uh, from a parenting standpoint because that's a whole, whole other thing. Yeah. But you're not alone and there's plenty of help out there for you.
0: That's really important advice. And thank you for that. So many listening need to hear that. And thank you, Dr. Z and everyone listening in the show notes. Everywhere you can find Dr. Z, we'll be there. All right. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Here's to radical self-love The type of love that will defeat anxiety The type of love that defeats depression This is the one life, this is the moment This is the time to dig in To be who you already are The Big Silence Breathe in, breathe out